I'm super excited to share with you this amazing podcast. I was recently on the tables were turned. I was being asked the questions on the Born Unbreakable podcast with Des Maya. Des is a force to be reckoned with. If you don't already listen to her podcast, Born Unbreakable, be sure to subscribe to it. She is both in one of my masterminds and is a good friend. And we sat down and we discussed how to elevate your peer group. We talked about what to do when you are getting after those big goals or making just drastic changes in your life that you need to design a peer group that will help you get there. You can't just drag your existing peer group along for the ride. You need to seek out someone who has done the thing that you're about to do, run the marathon, wrote the bestseller, started the successful business, whatever it is. You need to bring those people into your designed peer group. You need to normalize that accomplishment, that success in your peer group, so it doesn't feel like such an insurmountable mountain for you to climb. You can't say it's nearly impossible to write a best-selling book if you know two other people who have done it. Proximity to those people will normalize that success. Don't tell me how unlikely it is to write a best-selling book. I don't care about those numbers, the statistics. Find someone who has done it and take them to coffee. Stop having coffee with all the people who haven't done it because you will all sit around and justify the failure, the hurdles, the reasons which are so very valid, but that's not the same as a good excuse. So in these clips from the Born Unbreakable podcast, I'm going to tell you exactly how to find those people, how to pick your accountability buddy, and how to elevate your peer group, which ultimately elevates our lives. Let's get into it. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. When we think about peer groups, so the people that we spend our time with, a lot of us end up with what I call the default peer group. So that's the people that you work with. That's the people that you live next to. It might be the parents of, you know, your kids' friends. And that's sort of our our default peer group. And we don't design it. And this is a huge mistake. So we kind of fall into spending time with these people which makes sense. You know, it's, it's kind of from a practical standpoint. However, if you're actively seeking the next level of success, like you're focused on leveling up in your business or in your personal life, ending up with your default peer group won't get you there. You have to intentionally design a peer group that gets you to the next level. And that's being talked about more and more, which I'm really, really excited that that's on people's minds now is like, wait a second, how much is my peer group affecting me? And the answer, it's everything. The other thing I'll add to the default peer group is a lot of times it's our family and we can love our family, but we don't need to always spend all of our time with our family, with our extended family. Because sometimes they're not helping us move ahead. In fact, sometimes the people that we love the most can restrain us because they've kind of got a dog in the fight. You know, if you decide, hey, I want to start running a marathon, the people that are closest to you will be impacted by that. And some people will feel negatively impacted by that. Like if your spouse suddenly has to hear the 5 a.m. alarm clock, and then they can kind of talk you out of doing the things that you really want to do. So let's talk about how we do this. So first, we got to get clarity on who our peer group is. 
you got to think about who you're spending the majority of your time with. And again, not just, I've got my best friend, Anne, and I adore her. Anne and I can go two years without talking and we can pick right back up. People love to say that. That's not good. Anne's not influencing you and you're not influencing Anne. Your friendship might survive not talking for two years, but you're not in each other's active peer group. So I want you to first look at who you're actually spending your time with. And that's easy. Just look at your calendar, right? Who did I spend time with last week? Who did I spend time with this week? Likely, it's those people I just mentioned, the people you work with, you live next to, your kids play with their kids, the default peer group. Now, I think it was Tony Robbins who kind of coined the phrase of, you are the five people you spend your time with. Lots of people have talked about that, not just Tony Robbins, many people. But really think about who are the five people I spend my most time with And is that the life that I want to be living? If you want to write a best-selling book, is there an author in your peer group? If you want to run marathons, is there a runner in your peer group? Whatever you're looking to do, whatever you'd like, you know, this next year to be about, this next quarter to be about, you need to make sure that those people show up in your peer group. And so if you look around and go, well, I am a, I'm the most successful person in my peer group, whatever metrics you want to use, I make the most money in my peer group. I'm the most ambitious in my peer group. That is not going to level you up. You might be leveling them up, which is important as we elevate, we want to elevate other people. But if you're trying to level up, you got to be over your head. You've got to be with people that you're like, oh, their business is bigger than mine. Oh, that person runs way faster. I mean, you don't become a better tennis player by playing tennis with people who aren't as good at the game. When I explain that concept, what a lot of people say, well, what do I do with my existing peer group? Or how do I find these people? So let's talk about what you do with your existing peer group. We don't necessarily have to go in and say, and we need to talk. You're out of here. It's nothing that dramatic. It's just a matter of bringing in other people into your peer group that do fit your future because a lot of our peer groups represent our past. It's where we came from, not where we're going. And so you have to get clear on where you're headed. We have to define success, right? Clarity is always the first step in all these processes. Like, where are you going? Before we get in the car and jam our foot on the gas pedal, where the heck do you want to go? So once you get clarity and say, I want to I want to run a marathon, I want to write a book, whatever that is, then make sure that you're bringing in those people. And you don't necessarily have to kick those people, those other people out. They just don't have as prominent seat as, at the table anymore. And here is the fact that you have to accept. Somebody you already know is connected to someone who could solve all your problems. That's a larger discussion in general. You, we'll use running a marathon as an example. It's just an easy one. But I want to run a marathon. Nobody in my family's ever run a marathon. I don't know anyone who's run a marathon. Where do I even begin? You know someone who's run marathons or someone you know knows someone who's run a marathon. It can be as simple as you putting a post out on social media. Hey, who do I know in the Sacramento area that is a runner? If you want to write a book, hey, who do I know? And this is a great, great tool for social media, but it can be text change and things like that. But hey, who do I know who's published a book? Who do I know that's the best-selling author? I'd encourage you to go big. Who do I know that's done a TED Talk? Who do I know that's gone vegan? Whatever it is that you want to do, do not DIY it. Do not DIY your business or your life. You don't need to. You just got to find someone who's already doing the thing that you want to do really, really well and you know, stand on their shoulders. Just say, can you show me how you went vegan? Show me how you started, you know, how you did the couch to 5k race. Talk to those people and they're happy to share their journey. In fact, they are usually eager to, because they may run the same problem you're having where their peer group isn't as supportive. And they're like, yeah, I'll tell you about how to run a marathon because I love talking about this. So someone you already know, knows the person that's achieved the goal that's on your vision board right now. 
when someone sits down and said, gosh, my to-do list is so long. I, I need productivity tips. How do I get through this list faster? Here's the first thing we have to accept. Most likely your list, it's too long. As we were just talking about on our mastermind this morning, I, I, I tell clients that you can do all the things that you want to do in life. You cannot do them all at the same time. And the problem is we try to do them all at the same time. I make the analogy of building houses. We start this house and the frames up and you're like, oh, this is, this is going good. And then we move on to the next house and we're laying concrete. And then we're like, all right, let's put piping on this third house. And the point is, is not one of those houses can sustain us. Not one of them actually provides shelter from the rain, and this can be business and this can be life. So in business, it might be, I started this product, but now I'm doing this other thing over here, and also I'm going to start this side business, and we're not doing anything well. Now, whether that's big projects or that's little projects, like when we're multitasking, we start a bunch of things, and it gives us the feeling of progressing because we've started three things at once. But if we could pan back and watch how long it takes us to do them, most likely it's going to take you more time because you did not focus on one thing until the house was built and then move on to the next thing until the house is built and move on to the next thing. So I I first want to address the fact that if you feel like your list is too long, it probably is. So what I can do is I can give you some tips. I want to give them quick tips so that right away today you could go, all right, here's three or four things that I could do right away to get more done in less time. Um, Because I want you to get through your list so you can live the best, fullest life, but also so you can get out there and spend time with your people and enjoy your time. There needs to be time after our list. And a lot of us are so focused on our list that we're not enjoying everything else. And you've worked so hard for this life. I want you to have time to enjoy it. So let's, let's look at the list. So first, your list is too long. So I want you to look at the list and I want you to go through and say, does this really need to be done? The second you put it on your list, your brain is compelled to check that thing off. So before you put pen to paper or or in digital format, before you even put it on the list, there should first be a decision filter. Does this need to be done? Does, and, and I'd ask it twice, does this really need to be done? And if the answer is yes, okay, we'll put it on the list. But first is the list is probably too long. So that's the first thing we need to get out of the way. Second, I want to identify the most important things on your list because everything on your list is not created equal. And the problem is when we have a list, it starts to feel equal, right? Well, I got 10 things to do today. Well, of those 10 things, one really, really mattered. And what we do as humans, we tend to wait on the one thing. We tend to wait and we're like, oh, this is really important. I'm going to tackle it about 4.30 today. This is a terrible idea. Decision fatigue is a very, very real thing in that throughout the day, we have made so many decisions that at the end of the day, we don't make them as well. We get tired. We procrastinate. They take us longer. Do the most important tasks at the beginning of the day. So again, you've got this list, you're setting off for tomorrow and you've got this list of 10 things that need to get done. And again, this is business home. It doesn't matter. I want you to star or highlight the most important thing that needs to get done. The one thing on that list that if you go, well, I got that done and nothing else, you would still feel like the day is a success. And I will tell you, our instinct is to put it at the end of the day, put it at the first. In fact, I say in my digital course, multiply me, I tell people that they have to get it done by 9, 27 AM, that we pretend that Milton from office space comes to our office and he burns the office down and you got to get it done by 9, 27 AM before Milton burns the whole building down. And if you get your one thing done, again, the most critical thing, and and I want to clarify a point here, the most important thing 
I did not say the dog that barks the loudest because you might have something that someone really needs. Maybe a teammate, maybe it's a family member that sent you five texts and you go, oh my gosh, okay, this is really important. No, no, no. It's urgent and it's urgent to them. So don't just say, well, this is the thing that's, that's barking the loudest. Don't feed the dog that barks the loudest. Stop, push away from your to-do list and go, what really matters? And a way does to really help people identify what really matters is again, getting clarity on what the end goal is. So if you know where you're going three years from now, if you've got a vision of where your what success looks like to you, that's how you figure out what your one thing is. Your one thing may not be that thing that your sister texted you about five times. It might be, I said I was going to write a book and I have not done any word count this week. I need to get in 500 words. I need to get in 500 words. We'll get them in before 9.27 a.m. and you're going to set yourself up for success. So I've, I've got a couple more, Des, if you want me to give them. We talked about the one thing. We talked about cut down your to-do list. Kind of a, a simple solution for that is a phrase marked, made popular by uh, Derek Sivers and then a few other people said it after that, which is, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. When we're looking at our lists, when we're looking at our, our scheduling obligations, really ask yourself, does that need to happen? And if you're going, mm, kind of, I should do it. Well, that's a good sign that you probably shouldn't do it. Okay. So when we talked about the one thing we're really addressing, the problem in that one is addressing overwhelm, which many people are experiencing it. And we're addressing it with prioritization. The one thing is one way to do it. When I talked about paring down your list, we're doing elimination. And this is, again, this is all from my digital course, multiply me. The other thing I'll say is, so, so then so let's just say we trim the fat. You had, you know, 20 things on your to-do list and I got it down to 10. You've starred the most important thing. Great. You are winning at life. So how do you get that one most important thing done? Well, first, just know that your brain is going to try to sabotage you. Can't always trust this three pound organ. We have to get our brain in line sometimes. One of the ways that you can do that is you time block for it. So again, we'll, we'll say with, you want to write a book, for example, you might say, I need to get word count in this week. That's my goal. When I think about three years from now, I'm a successful author and I see my book on the shelf at Barnes Noble and I am winning at life. Okay, well, then you got to get word count. You've got to time block when you're doing word count. So it needs to be, okay, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7 to 8 a.m., I'm going to get X amount of words in. I'm going to, you know, I'll do even 100 words, just something, just progress that. Time blocking is when you set aside a specific amount of time to do a very specific task. Do not wait until that moment to decide what the task is. Decide the day before. Okay, tomorrow from six to seven, I am doing this task. And that when that time comes up, you protect it with all your might. So don't time block and then let somebody else or yourself get into that time. And I trained sales teams for years and with outbound sales, they have to time block their outbound calls, right? So sales people, a lot of times will have nine to 11 is call blocking. That means they cannot do anything else other than outbound sales. They dial out on the phone or reach out on an email. You have to protect that time. And it doesn't matter what the goal is, whether you're a salesperson and you want to get 20 dial outs or whether you want to get word count, it doesn't matter what the goal is. Goal setting is really just project management. We bake a bunch of emotion around it. But if you just look at goals as project management, I don't care if it's weight loss, writing a book, running a marathon, it's all just project management. Accountability is huge. So you're familiar with accountability, buddy. Let me tell you how that works well. And let me tell you what most people do wrong with accountability buddies. Do not 
pick an accountability buddy that struggles with the same thing that you struggle with. I cannot tell you the amount of people that are like, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to ask Tina to do it with me. Tina also struggles with the same thing that I struggle. And she also doesn't like to get up early and she also doesn't like to walk. So we're going to walk together. No, 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 no. That's your ego picking Tina. Don't pick Tina. Who you pick, you pick. Sharon down the street because she's a marathon runner. And every morning you see Sharon with her spandex and her sports bra and she's running around the neighborhood. And you're like, where does Sharon get all the energy? Sharon needs to be your accountability buddy. And let me tell you, that's hard for our ego because we're like, oh, she's so much better than she's not going to want to pair up with me and talk to Sharon. You've got to pick an accountability buddy that is better at that thing than you are. And again, that's where we we really make the mistake because if you choose to work out with your friend that also struggles with that, you won't work out. You're going to go to Starbucks and you're going to sit outside and you're going to order a macchiato and it's going to be amazing, but you'll never work out together. So pick an accountability buddy that excels in the area you struggle with. Ideally, then they're also trying to go after a goal that you excel in. So that's the most beneficial arrangement. When you have an accountability buddy, I want you to set a time in which you're accountable to them. So whether you're meeting in person or whether it's a Zoom call or whether it's a text, but you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we check in and it's going to be a text. It's going to be a reminder and it can be a simple, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Make sure you get your workout in or Hey, you're on my mind. Make sure you get your word count in today. I have, I actually have accountability buddy who is also a performance coach and we do kind of co-coaching together. We're each other's accountability. We're both very driven, motivated people. And yet, He's on vacation right now. What do I do? I send Mark a text yesterday saying, make sure you get your work on. And I know you're having fun. You're sitting on the beach, but move your body. I'm holding him accountable to what his goals are. It doesn't matter what my goals are, but I'm holding him to accountable to the thing he said is important. And that is really an important piece of accountability. It's not giving people a pass. And I'm not saying you got to beat them up, but the thing that they said that is important to them, hold them to that. Hold them to that. We don't berate them if they don't hit it. Go, all right, that was yesterday. What are you going to do today? I don't care what happened yesterday. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? How can I support you in this? So accountability is huge. But one thing I want to point out, Des, is you were saying, well, nobody's going to know if I eat that bowl of ice cream. Nobody's going to know. You're right, except the most important person knows, which is you. We have to hold our word to ourselves as one of the highest words that we can hold. We're really good at delivering on other people's expectations. If my friend needs me, I am there. But are you showing up for yourself? When I give my word to my best friend or to my spouse or my partner, they know I'm going to deliver. But do you deliver to yourself? Because confidence is tied to that and happiness is tied to that. If you know you're the kind of person that always lets yourself down, it can really undermine your confidence. So yes, other people won't know that you broke your word, but you'll know when we are succeeding and our accountabilities buddy is succeeding, when other people around us, our peer group, going back to the original peer group, we can, we, we talk about this a lot in the, in the mastermind, we draft off of each other's success. When you are standing next to someone who has lit themselves on fire, it makes you warm which is why you have to have that elevated peer group, which is why you should have accountability buddies. And 
you should share in your journey. Because when we go and we kind of, well, I'm going to succeed in private and then I'll, I'll come out and show people once I've been successful. I hate that method. There's a huge trend on people talking about that on social media. I hate it because the only person it's protecting is your ego. When you come up and say, I'm going to try to run this marathon and I screwed up yesterday, but I'm going to be better today. You are giving other people the opportunity to draft off of your momentum, but you're also giving them permission to go after something imperfectly. Life is supposed to be an iterative process. We don't nail it the first time we stand up and we fall and we stand up and we fall. And that's, that's just part of it. That's business. And that is life. But when we share that process with other people, We inspire them along the way. If you keep it private, you're just protecting yourself. Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are, and I'll give them to you. In my new four steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps and you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now, and four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself, and I'll show you how to do it in four steps. Growth hurts, by the way. People think growth is just a conference that you go to and you feel good. I'm going to tell you, there's an underbelly to growth. It hurts. And here's what I'll also mention about both growth and designing your peer group and elevating yourself and your business, all of those things. Here's the underbelly. People aren't always going to support you. In fact, people that you love will actively sabotage your success. I can't, I can't tell you the amount of clients who will show up and they'll talk about their, their spouse, the person they love and adore in this world. And they're like, you know, it's so weird because they get mad at me when I go for my run in the morning. They get mad when I go to the gym. They'll get mad when I'm launching this new product. And are they sabotaging you? Yes. Now that doesn't mean that we vote them out of our lives, but people in our lives are very invested with the current or past version of you. And when you start to grow, it scares them. When it's someone who's real close to you, your growth scares them because they don't know that they're going to have a place. The old version of them is going to have a place in your new life. And so when you feel that pushback, and that could be from our spouses, that can be from our family, that can be from our parents, our siblings, I will tell you, it's not the the haters on the internet that usually undermine people's confidence when they're growing. It's the people closest to them. It's in the book Untamed, the author says, it's the quiet concern of a loved one that really undermines our success. And I love the way she says that. The, are you sure? Well, I'm just worried about you. Those are the things that completely undermine us. So be cognizant of it. Be aware that if you are reaching for that next level of success, there's a good chance people around you aren't going to support you through it, which is further reason why we need to go out and design a peer group. We need people that will cheer us on when we're leveling up, not be threatened by it. 
And just because someone's threatened by it does not mean you have to vote them out of your life. And that's a larger conversation. But just because they are struggling with it, you may not have that conversation with them. I know lots of business owners that can't talk to the people closest to them about their business because those people don't know what it's like to run a business and it will undermine their confidence. So they have to go and seek out other business owners. I run masterminds that are specifically for business owners. Why? Because they have a unique set of problems that typically only other business owners will understand. And if they share those, if they share their desire to level up with those outside of that community, the people feel threatened and they sabotage their success. So they know they can only share those with certain members. Again, there's a cost to leveling up. And we think we know the cost. Like I got to, whatever it is, I got to get up early. I've got to invest in this business. It's, it's going to cost me financially this much. There are some other costs that are, we'll say hidden costs. And I like to be upfront with people about it because otherwise when they bump up against that, they're surprised and they think, am I doing something wrong? Do I have the wrong people around me? And if we're honest about what growth looks like, and like I said, growth is painful at times. If we're honest about that, then we can prepare people. It's not a reason not to level up. It's just, you need to be prepared for what that looks like and then how to navigate those conversations. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.